I think it's, it's important for us to, to have a strategic plan uh, or have a, a, a blueprint for how we take the principles that we learn uh, in God's word and making sure that we are applying them in our lives. Y'all hear me challenge you all the time, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self, right? I quote that quite often. But I, I start thinking about it. Where are the concrete steps to help people uh, get conditioned to applying what they hear into their everyday life? I mean, I can tell you, go look at the Bible, go, go study the word. But I think there's an important part of that that's missing when we don't give you the tools or the steps to get into the word and understand what God's word is talking about so you can make reasonable biblical application. So if we come here and learn, but we don't understand how to apply, then I think we're not doing you a, a good service, which y'all agree. And so uh, let's take a look at this past scripture. I'm going to share some things with you tonight. Uh, we won't finish all of our, our, our this study tonight, but we'll uh, pick it back up on next week. And I'm going to give you a chance through this process to we're going to break up uh, in the groups and we're going to go through the steps uh, to to breaking down the word uh, and coming up with principles that we can apply to our lives. OK, we'll take a passage of scripture and do that together so that we can get comfortable in doing that, asking the right questions amen, of the text so that we can get clear understanding. So Paul writes this this letter to Timothy here in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. And you guys know this because I quote it quite often because this to me uh, embodies what the scripture is all about. It embodies uh, how we should learn how to govern our lives because when Paul tells young Timothy, his pastor, his son in the ministry, he, he writes this and look at what he says and let's read out loud and on purpose together. He says, what? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, what what corrects us when we're wrong and what teaches us to do what's right? The scripture, the Holy Scripture does that. Uh, and and, and, and it's, it, it does what it's designed to do. But if I am here in a church or uh, and, and I'm not understanding how to get to the point to where I can properly break down the scripture to know what's, what it's telling me is right and what it's telling me is wrong, then I'm still sort of in a position where I can't adequately apply that word to my everyday life. OK, so let's look at the next verse. Verse 17 says what God uses it. What is it? The word God uses it, the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So if he uses the Holy Scripture, guys, to to equip us and to prepare us to do every good work, is it any wonder that we don't see more people being equipped and doing good work if they don't have understanding and they don't have a blueprint for how to take that word of God and begin to apply it in their lives? So, so that's what we're going to try to learn, how to apply God's word, having a concrete method and steps to help us to make sure that we are on point so that when the scripture teaches us something, we can apply it and have good understanding. I'm going to read you a couple of scenarios and see if this sounds familiar. And maybe you've been in one of these positions before, too. Uh, first scenario, after hearing a dynamic CD on the importance of studying God's word, Sally was determined to have a daily quiet time. How many of y'all have determined that you're going to have a daily quiet time? All right. You hear me challenge you to do that every time, don't you? 
All right, so she determines she's going to have a daily quiet time. So she sets her daily alarm at 6 a.m. and reads for a half hour before getting dressed. So far, she's only missed two days in six weeks, and those two days because she was sick. Uh, Gwen, her roommate, has really been impressed with Sally's discipline and spirituality, and she says so on several occasions. Sally wonders, however, if she's doing something wrong. Listen to this. The daily readings are becoming to feel like drudgery. It's becoming to feel like work. She just doesn't seem to connect with Scripture, and she sure doesn't feel very spiritual the rest of the day. Any of y'all ever been there before? Getting up reading your devotion, but that devotion ain't impacting nothing that you do. You read your devotion and go to work and cuss somebody out. Can I get two witnesses up in here? I ain't gonna, I don't, I'm not even want you to call you in and don't, don't even raise your hand, but you read your devotion that morning, but then you acted with an attitude at work toward people. Hello? All right, so, so again, here's Sally. She, she got the quiet time. Let me give you another scenario. Ruth is known for her contagious smile and warm words. She seems to be on a first-name basis with everyone in the neighborhood and the church. People often compliment Ruth on her gifts of hospitality and encouragement. How can she always be so up, one friend commented. While Ruth is succeeding out there, she really struggles at home, though. Constant bickering and fighting with her teenage daughter and arguments with her husband leave her frustrated and discouraged. But everybody at church thinks, oh, she's such a blessing. How many of y'all know sometimes people think you're a blessing at church, but your family don't think you're a blessing? If your family don't think you're a blessing and everybody at church thinks you're a blessing, we, Houston, we got a problem. Are y'all listening to me today? Now, that scenario just, I mean, uh, you know, even though on the outside it looks like She's uh, the type of church member and Christian that um, that you want to be. But inside, there is something going on. Give you one more. Uh, uh, This young guy named Tim. Okay, he's an honor student and varsity basketball player. Tim is the picture of the all-American boy. He's he's also an active member of the church youth group and a Christian club on campus. And he's very serious about his faith. Tim has grown up in the church and knows all the Christian vocabulary. Y'all know, y'all know all the Christian vocabulary, right? Giving unto God. Who's the? Amen. To the officers and members of the church. <laughs> uh, on down the line, y'all, y'all, know, y'all know the Christian. He, he knew all those phrases. But Tim wants to know how to bring what has been taught in church and what he believes about Christianity into his everyday life. At school, it seems as if he is bombarded by questions about popularity, about sex, about the future, and about morality. On Sundays, Tim sits in the back of the church and wonders, okay? Amen. How does all this fit with my life? And some of y'all may recognize uh, some of these people, and maybe you've been in those same situations, um, and, uh, but, 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 but the word of God, at some point in time, has to begin to take precedent in our life and begin to be something that, that we treasure with all our heart, mind, and soul. Because James does say, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So what we're going to do is, is take a little look at how to apply this word. Because if, if Paul told Timothy, God uses the scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, but we're not really into applying that scripture because we don't really know how to to break down the scripture, then I think it's important for us to learn how to do that, okay? Now, uh, go with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 12. Let's look at what the scripture says right there, talking about the word, because we got to learn how to apply this to our lives. 
Amen? How do those folks find the truth about life? You know, the one woman who was seen to be have it all together, she was a vibrant person, but at home, her, can't get along with her daughter. She's always arguing with her husband, that type of thing. See, there, listen, guys, I'm going to tell you something. As your pastor, I'm not, I mean, I, I love all of you guys, but I'm not so impressed with how you behave when you're here. What I'm really concerned about is you outside of the four walls of this church. That's what I'm really concerned about because uh, if we're going to have kingdom impact, if we're going to be able to advance kingdom principles, it's going to come more so from us what we do away from here. Because we've been assigned by God. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. We are ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors for Christ, we are his representative in the earth realm. But if we're not seriously applying this word uh, into our life, if people who know us well don't think very much of our spiritual walk, we have a problem. Okay? Because sooner or later it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna flash open, all right? So I don't want you to be a, a good church member and a terrible person away from here. Y'all with me? Watch what the text says here in Hebrews, okay? Let's read. It says what? For the word of God is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Read it one more time with me, out loud and on purpose. For the word of God is what? It's alive and powerful. It is not dead. Okay, it's alive and powerful. Read on. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what the word of God does. Amen? Um, Verse 13, just for good measure. Let's read. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one who are we are accountable to? We are accountable to God. Amen. We are accountable to God. Now, as, as we delve into here, again, if you find yourself in one of those scenarios that I just gave as those example, it, it could be something uh, of similar vein, maybe not exactly what I talked about there. But my, I, I, I want to get you to a point to where that's not you. I don't want any member here to be one way in church and totally different outside of church. Okay, so that means that we have to learn how to apply God's word to our everyday life. Um, There was the the Barna group uh, did a um, a survey. They do a lot of religious surveys. uh, And what they discovered is that the overwhelming number of people there in America own Bibles, but don't read them very much. Okay. Listen to this. According to research by the Barner Group, 93% of all households in America own one or more Bibles. 93%. But of that group, 57% do not read the Bible at all during a typical week. Now, 93% of homes have a Bible, but 57% don't read it at all during the week. Now, some of you all are sitting here right now and you're in that 57% category. You don't read it at all. 
Now you come to church and you'll be here on Wednesday. But guys, what I, I got to get you to understand is, is that God is requiring more of us than just Sunday and Wednesday attendance. It's great that we're here on Sundays and Wednesdays. But, but at some point in time, this word that we've been fed and it's filling us up, we got to start exuding it or letting it out. In other words, allowing it to permeate through our individual lives. And as we apply this word, because you can get full of word, but if you don't exude it out, at some point in time, the, the effect of that word is going to be diminished very, uh, very quickly. OK, so the number one reason given by these people for not reading the Bible is the perception of it being irrelevant. OK, it's being irrelevant. In other words, most people, even those who own Bibles, don't believe that the Bible has anything to say about today, their society and their lives. After all, they reasoned the Bible was written hundreds of years ago to a land and culture thousands of miles away. The Bible is an ancient book. They say, what can it possibly have to say to me? So don't even crack the cover of the book. But I got news for you guys. The Bible is still relevant. The Bible is still alive. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. The word is Jesus himself. Jesus, Jesus thoughts and his, and, his, and his way of doing things was embodied in the Holy Scriptures because men wrote as the spirit gave them the utterance. Go with me if will, to Second Peter chapter number one, verse number 20 right quick. Amen. Reading is just the first most basic step to get into application. But if you read and don't understand, what good does that do? Okay? Uh, we got to get to a point to where we are actually uh, understanding what we're reading and getting to the point to where we have application. 31% of all adults in America say the Bible is too hard to understand. And I will tell you this. Understanding scripture and the, and the principles that are laid out in that will not happen just by trying to do it out of your own intellect. The spirit of the things of the, uh, the things of God are only understood as the spirit of God gives us revelation knowledge. So if I am trying to learn scripts, uh, what God's word says in the secrets that he has in the scripture, apart from having a pure and honest relationship with the Holy Spirit, I, I'm, I'm going to be doomed. I'm not going to be able to understand it because the Holy Spirit opens up the eyes of our understanding. Look what 2 Peter 1 and 20 says. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Look at the next verse. It says what? Or from human initiative. Back up. Let's go to verse 20 again. Let's read it out loud. Let this sink in. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from whom? They spoke from whom? They spoke from God. So the prophets and those who wrote the scripture in the old and the new covenant, amen, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's why this, this, this Bible, this book has lasted all these years, the number one bestseller across the globe. And it's still relevant and it's still helping change lives when properly accepted and applied. It is a life changer. And some of y'all know it. Some of you know that as you allow the word to renew your mind, it changed your perspective on life. Can I get a witness? 
So how do we get to that point to where we begin uh, to apply this word in our life? Go to first James, one, not first James, James 1, 22 through 25 right quick. Let's look at this right quick. Just laying some foundation. And we're going to see here and here, according to James, then we are to do what the Bible says, not just read and understand it. Laying the foundation. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. Watch this. It says, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for what? Doing it. God will bless you for reading it, right? Is that what it says? No, it didn't say that. God won't bless you for reading it. He'll bless you for what? So some of you sitting there right now thinking, where's my blessing? God, I've been praying about this thing. But well, it doesn't say God's going to bless you because you came to church on Sunday. Does it? Uh-uh. It doesn't say that God's going to bless you because you showed up faithfully in, in attending midweek Wednesday service. It says God will bless you for what? Doing it. What is it? Doing what the word says, okay? So my blessing is tied to my obedience. Everybody say, my blessing is tied to my obedience. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 11. Look at what Paul says in, in commenting on the purpose of the Old Testament scripture. Paul was saying that, that reading the Bible should affect the way we live. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 10. And let's look at verse number 11 right quick, okay? Are y'all still with me? Now notice what Paul says. He says, he was talking about, um, talking about the children of Israel, okay? I'll start in verse, i tell you, let's back up if you will. Uh, we'll start at, start at verse number one right quick. Let's read through it real quickly, okay? He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters. Now he's talking to the church of Corinth. But he begins to relate back to the children of Israel because the things that happened to them happened for our, our edification and our learning. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry, on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was who? It was Christ Jesus, amen. Yet God was not, pl- I thought Jesus only came into the earth realm in Bethlehem. The wilderness was way before Bethlehem, wasn't it? See, Jesus, was, Jesus didn't come into existence in a manger in Bethlehem. That's when he was manifested in the flesh. But he was in the beginning. Y'all know that, right? I just quoted that. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Y'all know the story. These things happened as warnings to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Watch this. Or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not, enge- and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day because of sex. That's what it said, right? Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. Don't tempt the Lord thy God, okay? And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Grumbling and complaining. God don't like murmuring and complaining, does he? Those things happen to, watch this, here's what I want to get to. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Okay, so 
Paul, he, Paul is saying that reading the Bible should affect the way we live because when we see what happened to Israel, we don't want to repeat those same mistakes. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah told uh, God's people. Go to Isaiah 42, and let's look at verse 23 through 25. Isaiah 42, you can pop it up, verse 23 to 25. Isaiah 42, 23 through 25. Glory to God. It says, who will hear these lessons from the past and see the ruin that awaits you in the future. Who allowed Israel to be robbed and hurt? It was the Lord against whom we sin. For the for the people would not walk. The people would not walk. The people would not what? The people would not what? Walk in his path. Nor would they do what? Obey. They wouldn't walk and they wouldn't obey. They wouldn't walk in his path and they wouldn't obey his law. Verse 25 says what? Therefore, he poured out his fury on them and destroyed them in battle. They were enveloped in flames, but they still refused to what? To understand. They were consumed by fire, but they did not learn their lesson. Now, guys, here's what we got to understand. God loves all of us. We're his children. Now, he gives us a man, a picture of what transpired with the nation of Israel. And as God had to deal with them, because one of the things you got to realize, God had to protect the seed. The seed meaning Jesus Christ, because he was going to come down through 42 generations to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. So if if the nation of Israel just went totally AWOL to the point to where God had to wipe them out, the seed would not have came in the manger in Bethlehem. Because God, a man knew that in order to redeem mankind, he had to do it through human flesh. Because God made man a free moral agent and he created man and placed him in the garden. Man sinned, but yet still God had a plan to deliver man. And he's going to deliver man through a man who was still God, but yet fully man. So in order to protect the seed, he had to protect the, protect the nation. But there were times when the nation, amen, went a whoring after other gods and he had to bring discipline into their lives. But yet still, he always kept a remnant because guess what? His plan was going to work. Jesus was going to get to that manger in Bethlehem because God was going to use him to deliver all the entire world. Is everybody with me now? Okay, so let's keep moving here. All right. So when we look at this, I want you to understand that it's critically important for us. It's clear from James, it's clear from Paul, and it's clear from Isaiah that we are supposed to be doers of God's word and not just hearers of it. But how can we tell how well we are applying the Bible? Well, consider these five following five steps in the application process. And this is where we get to our lesson text right now. Number one, we said read. Open the Bible and read a passage and get a general idea of the story. That's that's how we start preparing for application. First of all, we got to read. If you don't read, you're in trouble. We start out by doing what? Reading, okay? So we read. Open the Bible. Get you, listen. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you can get you a, I, I, you can get you a modern translation uh, so that it can help you to better understand. But I like the New Living. I, I, I preach from the KJV. That's my base study of Bible. But I'll use a modern translation to help me understand certain words. Okay, that 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 are not necessarily laid out because I don't speak Elizabethan English. I do speak English of, uh, in America, uh, but the New Living Translation helps. Will help you to get a better understanding, but you still got to have the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom and insight, because ultimately He's the one that gives the interpretation. Okay, so first of all, we got to do what read. Number two, we said what? We got to do what understand. Now watch this. 
Watch this. We got to read and then we got to understand. Understand means to know what all the words mean, learn the facts, see the concept. How many of y'all ever been in Sunday school, sat in Sunday school and, and saw and read through a passage, but you really didn't understand the concept? You didn't understand what certain words meant. Come on. You sat there uh, and, and you, didn't, you didn't know what that, that, that word meant because you don't even use it in modern day language. So if you sit there and you just blow through it without understanding, what does that word mean? First of all, how can you understand the context of the scripture or what it's saying if you don't know what the words mean? So that's why it's good to have a Bible dictionary when you get ready to study. Well, you don't even have to have a Bible dictionary. Now you can use electronic tools to look up the meaning of certain words. Guys, here's what I'm going to tell you. In the year 2019, we don't have an excuse because there are so many tools that are available to help us get a better understanding of the context of Scripture, who's writing, who's it writing it to, what words mean, to where we can just hit a button and get a definition just like that. But so there's no reason for us to blow through it and just read it without getting an understanding. So first of all, we got to read. Number two, we got to do what? Understand that means know what all the words mean and learn the facts and see the concepts that are laid out in the scripture. Amen. Are y'all with me today? So that, that's critically important. The, the third thing that's a part of preparing for application is we got to comprehend. Everybody say comprehend. All right. We got to comprehend. So uh, comprehend means find the biblical principles and those timeless truths that God wants to communicate to us. We've got to comprehend what, what principle is God trying to get over to me? Number four, apply. I've got to see myself in the story and how the biblical principles relate to my life. I've got to make the timeless truths timely, see what God wants me to do. Because ultimately, I can go to the book of Acts and see what the apostles did and know what they were dealing with. But at some point in time, I've got to take that concept, take that story and say, okay, what about this story? I got to say, well, what, how is this relevant to my life? Because I can know about Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. I can know about Moses and the children of Israel and how it was rebellion as they got close to the promised land. I can know all that. But still, the question becomes, how, how does that relate to me? Okay? So I got to make those truths uh, 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 applicable to my life today. And the fifth thing I got to do, I got to design an action plan and obey what God, uh, uh, obey God and put into practice now what he has taught me in his word. So that's critically important. Those, those five things I got to do. So look at this next part right here. These steps are necessary to bring the Bible to life. Because I don't want to, I don't want you to just come to church and hear a good sermon or hear a good message. I want you to be able to, to leave this place and say, okay, I understand the scripture. I understand the context. I know what was going on. And I also got a blueprint of how I'm going to uh, break it down. But I also want to know, how does this apply to my life? What are some concrete steps I can do to apply the principle that's being conveyed in the scripture? How can I apply that to my to, to my very life? OK, so uh, so we say here it, it's very important. Each step is important. Action. Listen to me carefully. Action that isn't based on God's word may be misdirected, wasted or even harmful to you. So everything I do, every, everything I want to do as a Christian, I want to make sure that I have a spiritual principle behind it. Even, even uh, I heard Brother Rod talking about work today. You know, work has a spiritual principle behind it. 
We, we learned this in men's ministry on Saturday. We just talked about it again Saturday. We're going through the book, A Man and His Work. Do you not realize that God created work before there was ever a fall in the garden? Work was not a curse for the fall. Work was there before there was ever a fall in the garden. He told man, he told Adam, I'm planting you in the garden, dress it and keep it. What does dress it and keep it mean? He's had to work. And see, God created man to be a, a, a creator and a developer and a cultivator. So God will use work to build us and also to reach others. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So the key step between the Bible and, and, and our life is how do we begin to apply this? Okay, uh, That's where the truth of the scripture began to move uh, beyond just statements or facts or principles or knowing how many books in the New Testament, how many books in the Old Testament. You can know that and you can quote every Bible verse you can possibly quote. But if there is no practical application going on, guys, we're all in trouble. OK, so we need to apply God's word to our life. So let's look at it. Why do we need to apply God's word? It gave you, gave you two or three things right here. I want you to just take into consideration. Well, we, want, we need to apply God's word to our life because of who God is. Okay? God knows us and he knows everything about us, which y'all agree. He knows our talents, our potential, our gifts, our fears, and our, and, and our foibles. But no one knows us better than God. Not only that, God loves us and wants the very best for us, which y'all agree. And so it only makes sense to discover God's will for our life and we will settle for less than the best if we don't know God's will for our life. Okay, so I don't want, so, so, so we need to apply God's word because of who God is, all right? Number three, number, the second thing is we need to apply God's word because of who we are. We are, all of us are fallible, which y'all agree. How many of y'all in here are perfect? Anybody? Thank God you didn't raise your hand. All, <laughs> None of us walk in sinless perfection. Okay, now, so, 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 if if I don't walk in sinless perfection, if I messed up, if I did something that was wrong, I I need to know what the Word of God says about that. I need to make sure I know, Amen, how I can go to the Lord and receive forgiveness for my sin. Remember what Scripture says: if if we confess our sins, He's what faithful and just to forgive us. And what will He do? He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so we need to apply God's word because of who God is, because of who we are, and because of the way the world is. We live in a fallen world, guys, and because we live in a fallen world, amen, we we, we know that sin is rampant. Guys, we live in a culture and society now where, uh, I'm telling you, it's, it is, um, it, it's, 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 it's sad, it's, it's, it's disheartening because even here in Bossier Parish, and some of y'all know that, that there is a, a, a move afoot and school board has been sued by uh, some outside groups about uh, children, uh, students uh, uh, professing their faith. And they even got to the point to where now teachers can't pray uh, in their classrooms. They can't. Uh, if it gets reported, they, they can get in trouble and potentially lose their job because of these complaints about uh quote, religious uh, freedoms being exercised. I'm telling you, we're in a society now that's trying to remove God out of everything. And so uh, we got to be geared up. And all we're going to be geared up is we got to have word on the inside of us helping us to get there. Okay? So let's go. Uh, the next thing we got to know, what is, what is application? Okay, let's talk about application right quick. Y'all, y'all still with me? Let's talk about application. All right? 
um, what is application? Very simply stated, application is asking the question, so what? <laughs> In other words, I, I read this passage, so what? Uh, uh, I, 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 I I got the facts. How can I use the information? What am I going to do about what I've just learned? What, 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 what am I going to do? So in other words, how many of y'all know John 3.16? Let's quote that right quick. Should not perish but have what? All right, so you know John 3.16. The question that comes next is, so what? So God love the world. So what, how does it apply to me? All right? So... If I don't know how that applies to me and what that means to me, then really I'm just quoting John 3.16. So when I, when I look at that passage, I have to begin to do my investigation. What we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we won't do it tonight, but we're going to talk about how do I take a passage of scripture and begin to build on uh, uh, that passage, break it down where I can get my understanding and have that application I can apply to my life. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, if you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. That's, that's commonly referred to as the love chapter, right? And we uh, oftentimes see that uh, read at weddings. First Corinthians, I think, it, is it, uh, yeah, the 13th chapter. And we'll start our reading at, uh, uh, start at verse number one. This says, if I could speak all the language of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a, no, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed in all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be what? Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But it, if I didn't love others, I would have gained what? Nothing. Look at verse four. Here's what I like. Love is what? Patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. All right. Love never gives up. No love never loses faith and is always hopeful and endures through what? Through every circumstance. Verse 8. Let's read. Prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will do what? It will last forever. Let's keep reading. It says what? Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Next verse. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become what? Useless. Verse 12. 11. I'm sorry. When I was a child, I spoke, I spoke and I thought in reason as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Watch this. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloud, cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Verse number 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. OK, so we know all this. Great reason love. So so what? How does that apply to my life? We talk about love is patient. Love is kind. It, it, it doesn't keep any record of doing wrong. It's not rude. So when I know that, all right, how does that affect me? If I read that every Sunday, how does that affect me when I'm away from this church? Are you rude? So if you're rude, what do you do with that text? Somebody help me. If you are not a kind person, 
What do you do when you read that text? Does it move you to do something? Or you just read it and gloss over it and keep moving with your mean self? Huh? See, the word has to be... If I don't believe that this word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's God ordained word to the point to where when I see what it says and and it, and, 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 and I don't if, if I get to a point to where I'm now governing my life by if I don't do that, then this word really becomes useless to me because I've not allowed the word to take hold in my heart and begin to correct my action. So to answer the question, you got to start asking the text. So what? Okay, I know this. I know the facts. I know who's writing. Who's he writing to? Who's he de- what are you dealing with? But how does that apply to my life? And that's the that's the process that I believe that we got to start going through to get ourselves to the point to where we can begin to apply this word to our life. So what application is? It is simply it's, it's answering the question. So what? I know what it says. So what? How does that impact me? Application. Look at this. Focuses the truth of God's word to specific life-related situation. Look back here again at 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. Go back with me uh, to verse number 4. Now watch this. All of us here as human beings are involved in, in interpersonal relationships. Is that correct? Whether it's you're dating somebody, your boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, whether you're husband and wife, fiance, or whether you, you, know, you got mother, father, parent, child relationships, Right? We have all these different relationships that we're involved in. So that means that when I read this, uh, I know that it's, it's applying to me as I interface and I interact with other people. Correct? As a church member, as a member of the body of Christ, I, I, I'm going to have the occasion to, to interact with a wide variety of people. But when I read this, the question becomes, what so what? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Look at the next verse. It says what? It's not what? Rude. It doesn't demand its own way. So when I find it out, how does that affect me? What does that do for me when I read that? I want to know what does it do for you when you read that? Sean, when you read it does not demand its own way, what does that say to you? How how do you, what does that do to you? I mean, when when you read that, what does it Does that have any kind of impact on you? How so? Okay, so. Okay. Ah, that's good. So if you are being demanding in such a way that you got to have it your way, it ain't going to go. That means that now I got to you said you said the key word. You said I got to examine myself to see if I'm not walking in love, because if I am always demanding my own way, then this passage right here is telling me that I'm outside the will of God. So when I read that passage, I got to ask the question, so what? Okay, love isn't rude. It doesn't demand its own way. So how does that apply to me? If I don't, if I think I'm all good, that I don't ever do anybody wrong, that I think I'm better than what I really am, and I don't examine myself, then that's not going to even affect me because I'm going to read that and think that's somebody else. How many of y'all been to church and you heard me preach? You're like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. You elbowed your husband, your wife. Mm-hmm. See there? See there? Yeah, Pastor Adam said, preach it, preacher. Come on, come on. Anybody ever thought about somebody else when the word came? Come on, I'll raise your hand now. 
<laughs> you thought about that family member, you thought about that, that, that loved one, you thought about that coworker, the fellow church member. You thought about how was that applying to them? Well, guys, here's what I want you to do from now until the rapture comes. Every time you come to Bible class, when you go to your Sunday school class, stop looking at other people and saying, that's for them. And look at that and say, so what? How's that apply to me? What's that gonna make? How's that gonna make my life differently? Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. How many of y'all been keeping records of being wrong? How many of y'all still holding on to stuff from childhood? 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you still holding on to it. Come on. It, 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 when, when are you going to let it go? Right? And love keeps no record of being wrong. I got to look at my own life. And say, Is there something in my life that I'm holding against somebody that happened several years ago and I haven't let that thing go? See, when I begin to do that, do exactly what Sean said. I got to start examining myself, okay, and make sure that that I line up with the love uh, characteristic that's being shown here in this 13 chapter, okay. So let's look at some 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 some, some Bible study steps and uh, points that can help us get to that get past that point. So we know what application is, right? It's it's answering the so what question, all right. It's answering the so what question. It's, it's why should I know these facts and how can I use the information and what am I going to do about what I just learned and what should I do about it? So once I learn that, uh, what am I going to do about it? I, I, I recall very vividly a lot of times when we, especially when we were doing uh, marriage fellowships and, and we would, we would talk about the term submission because most people don't understand biblical submission. I, I used to, I used to always wonder why is it that when I, when I would read that passage, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. That was almost like a, 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 a demonic spirit that rose up in some women. And I, I believe it was because, y'all, y'all think I'm joking? I mean, some people got mad because they didn't understand what submission was. They didn't understand the beauty of biblical submission. So because their understanding was off, their understanding was colored by what they'd seen in the movies, on Young and the Restless on whatever soap operas out there, on whatever the latest movie, they saw, hey man, this, here's literally what came in their mind. I could see them thinking, you know, you don't know my husband. You're talking about submitting to him and he's making these crazy decisions and he's being mean to me, he won't talk to me, and then he wants me to just do whatever he say do. I have no input, I have no buying in into the whole marriage situation. He just wants me to do whatever he say do, and that's it. I can't ask no question. He's mean and honor me. And so you asking me to submit to him? That's what was going through their mind because they never understood and never saw biblical submission. But when you understand biblical submission and the beauty of it, and when you have a spouse who loves you like Christ loves the church, who gives himself for you, amen, who goes out of his way to make sure you got everything that you need in life, man, that, that term totally becomes a, a beautiful thing because you understand it now. But when people first heard that because there was no understanding, man, there were some women that got mad and they thought I was saying it because I was a man. That's easy for you to say you're a husband. But what they really understand is it was really a beautiful God thing when we understand it the way scripture tells us that submission should work. So so let's let's, let's make sure we can get a good biblical understanding. So look, look back at your outline right quick. So application focuses the truth of God's word to specific life related situations. Amen. It helps people understand what to do 
or how to use what they have learned. Application persuades people to do what? It persuades people to do what? To act, to act, to act, to act. So let's go to this next part. So what application is it? Sometimes understand what something is. One way you can do that is to understand what it's not, right? Can I get a witness? All right, so number one, what application is it? It's not just information, okay? See, information, this is just simply get, just getting the facts. Now, if you come to Bible study and just get the facts, you know, that's not application, right? It's good that you got the facts because we start out with that, but just simply getting the facts is not application. All that is is information. Um, whether in detective work or in Bible study, gathering facts is an important first step. Is that correct? One of the things that you see on a lot of detective shows, and um, and I guess they got a lot of you know CSI, and uh, they don't have you know the old detective shows are not as prevalent as they used to be in the old days. Kevin, when you used to watch Canon, you watched you watched um, uh, uh, Hawaii Five O. They, they redid Hawaii Five O, but you did you know you had Barnaby Jones, and one you know Barnaby always shot shot the gun at the man hand, never killed anybody, did he? He would just shoot the gun at the hand. Barnaby Jones and all these old school detective shows, what they would do is they would gather facts. And you see it on N, N, was it N, NCIS and all these, you know, these, these crime scene investigation shows. What they do is they start gathering facts because uh, in a court of law, what should happen, you know, you know, in order to prove that somebody did a thing, you don't have to necessarily see them do it if you have facts, Okay? If you have a man uh, uh, facts that, that, that show that this person was there or this, his DNA was there and those facts have to show that what you didn't see actually happened. Okay? So, we get, so information stage is just simply getting the facts. Okay? So in, in Bible study, when we start going to our work, we do have to get the facts of the text. We need to, we need to dig into it and find out amen, what's actually going on. Amen? We got to know what's happening. We still didn't know how to use those. Even though when we get those facts, we still have to know how to use those facts. And it's good to know that Matthew was a tax collector and to learn how tax collectors work for the Roman government. That's good. And usually became rich at the expense of, the, of their countrymen. That makes you understand why Zacchaeus was hated so. Zacchaeus, the one, the short man that ran up the sycamore tree, when you know what his role was and how he cheated people, then you understand why the Jewish nation hated those tax collectors so, right? They, they, they did not think very much of them because many of them was unscrupulous. So that helps me in my understanding of the text, okay, as I, as I go through and study a passage of scripture. So first of all, I, I got to get the facts, but that's not application. Second thing is we look at concepts. Now, concepts are deeper than, than just collecting the facts, and it's also an important step in studying the Bible, okay? We need to know what the Bible means, not just what it says. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, but in all that I get and get some what? Understanding. So I got to understand what the concepts are. I get the facts, and I got to understand what the concepts are, okay? So, but that's still, that's not application. All these things are building up to that, but we got to know these things, but it's not application, okay? Uh, there are a lot of people who understand biblical truths without ever changing their lives. There are people who study the Bible and who will come to Sunday school and who will be able to share the Sunday school lesson 
But that word, that lesson doesn't transform the way they do life. And here's my serious concern. You can dupe yourself into thinking that you're okay with God just because you know, the, you know the word and you study and you can break down the word. And God is, God is concerned about us as a body of believers being in a position where we are out doing word and not just hearing it. He wants us to begin to apply. So just getting the concepts is still not application. Look at the third thing we, we look at relevance. This step explains what happened in biblical times uh, uh, can happen today, okay? This step explains how what happened in biblical times can happen today, okay? For example, when we learned that, that Corinth was like a lot of the cities that we have in America today, wow, amen, filled with all kind of false religion and sexual immorality, we, we, we can see that even in a lot of our cities today, the Las Vegas of the world, the New Orleans of the world, these different worlds, these cities that are known as sin city, then it, it opens the eyes of our understanding. So the relevance of that passage, amen, to us today is very keen because Corinth, when we studied that, we talked about the fact that sexual immorality was running rampant, right? And so we see that even in today's society, guys, that, that it's, 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 it's prevalent in America today, in every area of our society. So that helps us to begin to apply that to our life and understand that what they were dealing with, we're dealing with today. So there is relevance, but relevance still is not application. Okay? And the fourth thing is we can get what we call illustration. Everybody say illustration. All right? So illustration, this means seeing how someone else handled a similar situation. It's good to give illustrations. I like to give illustrations uh, to see how somebody else handled a certain situation, but that's still not me doing it, okay? So I can have all these things. I can have uh, information, I can have concepts, I can have relevance, and I can have illustration, but that's still not application. So, Brother Pastor, what are the steps to application? How do we get to that point? And what we're going to do, I'm, I'm going to finish through this part here, and we, we'll look at on next week, on, we're going we're to break down a certain passage of Scripture and we're going to go through and pick out certain things and look for in that text to help us get an understanding about what's going on in the text, but then also how to apply that in our everyday life. Because if we don't ever get to the point to where we are applying this word, guys, our, our ministry will never be at the level that God desires and wants for it to be, okay? So let's get to these next steps and we're going to let you get out of here, okay? So, so number one, we talked about uh, steps to personal application. First of all, the person or the reader who's listening must receive the message. You'll never get to a point to where you're applying word if you don't receive word that's being given out. So what do I mean by receive the word? Somebody help me right quick. Yvonne, when you hear me say, Yvonne, you got to receive the word, what does that mean to you? Okay. Okay. All right. See, y'all, y'all hear that? Not only do I got to receive it, I got to, I got to be willing to do it. I got to accept that as God's word and be willing to do that. That's, that's called receiving the word. Everybody say receiving. Just because you hear my voice tonight don't mean you're receiving anything I'm saying. You could be looking at me thinking about, are the Cowboys going to beat the Saints this coming Sunday? I believe Dak's going to be ready, but I believe Teddy Bridgewater is going to help get us over and so, man, I really, you know, really, I think I'm going to go to that game. I'm going to try to buy me some tickets to go. You could be thinking a whole bunch of things and not be listening to a word I'm saying. Am I right about it? I know on Sunday sometimes y'all think I'm preaching too long because if they start at 12, you're watching your watch. 
Right. So I don't I don't really know if you're receiving or not. But Yvonne, you're exactly right. That's what it means to receive the word. To receive it means that I accept it is the word of God. There is a truth. I see it in biblical uh, uh, text and I, I, I understand the context and I, and I receive that as spiritual truth. OK, so so again, the person, if we're going to ever get to the point of personal application, one of the first thing we got to do is is to receive the message. Now, that sounds easy, but often the process of getting to application stops right there. Because to receive a lot of time is not open to hearing God's word. Okay? Whenever I talk about tithes and offerings, if you if you tighten up or button up or think, well, there he go again. Hello? When if if, if you start feeling a certain way, when I just break open, because all I'm doing is reading you what the word of God says and giving you explanation about it, and you think that I'm trying to uh, pick on you and you tune me out, you're not receiving. The word of God. So it's not as easy as you think, uh, because a lot of times our minds, our minds can wonder why we're in church. Right. Hello. I mean, you'll be sitting there and you look like you're paying attention, but you're really not paying attention. Because I don't really know what you're really thinking. I see you looking at me. Most of y'all, some of y'all looking down. Some of y'all be on your phones uh, trolling somebody on Facebook while I'm preaching. I see you right now. I see you in the spirit. Seeing what's the latest tweet. Do you not realize, guys, that these devices, these devices are distractors and time killers? They can be a useful tool, but for many of you all sitting in here, it's, 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 it's caused you not to even be a good communicator with your spouse. Because y'all will sit at home at the dinner table and y'all, instead of talking, y'all doing this. In the restaurant, while you wait on the food to come out, nobody's talking. Everybody's doing this. Girl, you see that? Oh, boy, oh, Tasha posted that. Look at what Jordan posted. Oh, Bobby, Bobby don't post nothing, do she? (laughs) These are time killers and distractors. And many times in church, Everybody got their phone out, ain't looking at their Bible. So how are you going to receive what I'm saying if you're not even listening to what I'm saying? Hello? All right. So, I, Brother Kevin, you, you, you can witness this fact. You know, even uh, there were times when uh, kids would, you know, we, we would patrol and kind of watch. But I said, you know what? Even if I take their phone and they ain't listening, they still, it still ain't going to do no good. See, at some point in time, you got to get to the point where you say, this applies to my life. This is going to help me get to where I need to be. And so I want some word to help me, amen, walk in line with God's will and get to where I need to be in my life. Because many of you know you're sitting there, there's some things that you're dealing with that the answer is in the word of God. But if you don't receive the word, you're going to keep on struggling right where you are. Are y'all with me today? Now, how many, let, me, let me ask you a question, and, and I'm going to try to be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. You can, you can just nod your head. Do you remember the last time, how many of y'all ever wished that the pastor would just finish the sermon before he's ready to finish? Can you, I, I don't want you, I ain't, I'm not even going to look up at you, okay? Because um, maybe you had dinner still on the crock pot, and maybe your, your mind was wondering about 
some sporting events or finances or family matters or whatever during the Bible class, during the sermon hour. I mean, I, I know you've been there before because I've been there before. I've been there sitting in service and, and thinking, okay, uh, you know, I, I'm really kind of ready to go, okay? But you know what? Uh, and I can't receive. If, if I got that mindset, if I'm thinking about something else, that means I'm not receiving what the man of God is saying, okay? Are y'all with me? So the person or the reader, the listener must receive the message. And the message can be hindered through poor communication by the one who's speaking, yes. Uh, you know, teachers who twist the message and get lost in, in some of the minutiae or get on a rabbit trail that goes nowhere. That can happen too, amen. But, but a lot of times I've discovered people aren't receiving because they're not paying attention because it's too hard to pay attention nowadays because people are distracted. We become distracted with these devices. And, and you, do you not realize that, they, that they've done studies and they do say it, it is, it, it's been proven that you can become addicted to your phone, your device. You can, you can, your attention span can be uh, diminished because of uh, your constant looking at that device. If you sleep with your phone under your pillow and every time an alert goes off, you wake up and check. And they, y- y'all don't believe me? Uh, three o'clock in the morning, kids are waking up, checking alerts on their phone. And what's been. Now, something is wrong. If you don't think something is wrong, you, you, you're deceiving yourself. But it, it affects your attention, attention span to where you can't sit for 15 or 20 minutes to learn about how you can transform your life. OK, so, again, uh, number one, we said what the, the person uh, must do. What First of all, receive. The message. If you're going to get to a point of personal application, you've got to first of all receive the message. Okay? The first step to personal application of the Bible means being open to God as He speaks through His Word. It means approaching the Scripture with prayer. I tell you before, we've got to pray about Sunday morning before we get here on Sunday morning. I thank God some of y'all prayed because we had an awesome time on Sunday. Somebody prayed, somebody got prepared for worship like we talked about last week. And I want y'all to get prepared for worship this coming week. I, I, I believe that when we do that, God is going to bless bountifully. Number two, the person should reflect on his, his own life. The person should reflect on his or her own life. This is simply putting the Bible truths and principles into a personal context, asking this question, what does, th- what does this message mean for, for me? Now, again, as you listen to me tonight, we're talking about how to apply God's word. All of us should be asking ourselves, okay, am, am, I, am I truly being an apply of God's word in every aspect and every teaching that I learned through my ministry here at the church and what I learned through Sunday school class, am I really taking that to heart and saying when I leave here on Wednesday or when I leave here on Sunday, I'm going to decide how does that apply to my life and I know there's something I can receive from that message that I'm going to begin to try to do in my life this week. If you never go through that process, guys, then I think you're going to limit yourself in not being an applier of God's word the way God would have you to be. Okay, so uh, number two, the person should reflect on his or her own life. Okay, what does this message mean for me? In other words, it means looking at Bible study from a personal perspective, going beyond just the historical and cultural context. And let's find out, uh, you know, what this theology, what this, what's this lesson mean to me in my life? Okay. What's the last, the, the last one here? The person should identify what he or she needs to change. So you got to identify what you need to change. If you're being rude and people have told you you're being rude, go take some nice classes. How to be nice. <laughs> I don't know if there is such a thing, but 
Go, go hang out with somebody who's nice and you can learn how to be nice. Why, why am I saying that? Because we have some mean Christians. We have people who's supposed to be born again, but just as mean and honor as all get out. Hello? This is moody? All right? We got we to gotta apply this word to our life. So, again, what, what, what's the third step? The person should identify what he or she needs to change. This step is really an extension of the previous one. After asking what area of my life does this speak to, we should ask, what should I do about it? Okay? This means being action-oriented, ready and willing to obey God in those areas where the Holy Spirit is convicting us. Okay? So look, look at the words, look at the words in, 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 that, in that sentence. What should I do about what? Looking for a specific action to take. Should, understanding that the message is to be obeyed, I, recognizing that the application is for me, not what should he or she or they do, what should I do, okay? Do, seeing that action, obedience is involved, and about knowing that the action is, is a response and it to a biblical teaching, okay? So what should I do about it? Those are the things that we got to begin to think about. To ask, the answer to what should I do about it may be nothing at this point, but have you considered, okay, in other words, sometimes uh, uh, if, if, I, if, 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 I, if I hear a word, in the media, I got to realize, okay, how does that word apply? And, and how do I begin to put that in my own life, okay? Uh, how do I begin to incorporate that in, into my daily living, okay? That's what we got to get to. All right, last and number four, and we, we're going to uh, stop on this one. The person should should lay out a plan to make that change, okay? So, so first, first of all, the person got to receive the message. Number two, you got to reflect on it in your own life, not somebody else's life, and you got to identify what, you, what needs to change. And number four, the person should lay out a plan to make that change, okay? Lay out a plan to make that change. What, should, what, what am I supposed to do right away? And that's, in, that's involved thinking through the application stage. And we're going to get into that um, on, on next week, and we're going to talk, we're going to teach you how, and we're going to, Break up into groups and figure out how to take a passage and look at the key components of that passage and begin to build our understanding and capacity for that passage and how we apply that to our everyday life. Okay, that sound like a winner. So we 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 want to get to the how to so that when you see a passage, you're gonna know there's some key things you got to look for. Those key things are gonna help you to understand the passage, and after understanding it, you're gonna ask the question: How do I apply this to my life? What can I begin to do so that I can be a doer of the word and not hearers only? Okay, come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.